Blog Talk Radio. The weekend's here. It is Friday. Welcome to another edition of the No Huddle Show with Mike and Sam. How are we doing, Sam, this evening, man? Uh, uh, just getting through some snow, man. We actually had like uh, seven or eight inches of snow out here the last couple of days. Um, roads have been like a mess. Obviously, nobody was prepared, even though they knew it was coming, as usual. Um, Same here. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's just you know, everywhere probably, I think. Uh, But yeah, besides that, no, can't complain. We have uh, a a cool weekend of some stuff coming up. So let's get into it. So I was fooled by the internet, man. And I hate admitting this, but I got, I got, I got played pretty good today. Actually yesterday. I apologize. So uh, in lieu of having a producer and a team of people that usually do this shit for you, I've been trying to secure guests for our podcasts. Um, and I, you know, I took a flyer on Hugh Jackson, right? I was like, you know, he's a pretty big name, but he's, you know, I don't know. And he's, you know, from, you know, he coached at Cincinnati for a long time, long time offensive coordinator, head coach at Cleveland Browns. Now he's the head coach at Grambling. And now he's been involved in this class action lawsuit that, that we'll get to in a minute that Brian Flores is bringing on. So I thought, hey, what? maybe he can come on for like six minutes, right? We'll just kind of discuss class action lawsuit. We, we didn't need a ton of time. And he rejected, right? Like he just kind of said, no, it's not really something that, um, that I'm interested in. And then I, we, then I got a Twitter uh, uh, response from somebody else. And they're like, oh, you know, I, I'll do the show. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought it – and I I took a quick look. I was like, oh, Hugh Jackson changed his mind. He's going to do the show. Uh, it was was it an imposter? It was somebody by the name of Huge Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. So it's a burgeoning amateur porn star. And um, – that's not really the market that we're looking to corner. Right, and it's not really anything to do with our show. And so I was going back and forth with Huge Jackson, like, oh, well, you know, yeah, that's great. You know, what time do you want to call in? And then I slowly started to realize that I was not talking to Huge Jackson. And, um, yeah, so I was definitely I was definitely bamboozled for a little while. <laughs> that's hilarious. Big, big error on my part. Although maybe we can have Huge Jackson on if we ever decide to do our uh, porn star prognosticator segment that we've uh, discussed before. Um, right, right. Anyways, so no Hugh Jackson on the show. Uh, I was super pumped. Uh, glad I didn't really promote it too much because I would be looking like an idiot. So, anyways, uh, getting to this lawsuit, man, that um, – uh, that Brian Flores levied earlier this week. Uh, I get why he's doing it. The Rooney rule is kind of like a just-for-show thing where you bring in 
black coaches to interview for jobs knowing full well that you're not going to hire them, that you already got the guy you want, but to interview a minority candidate. So here we go. Let's do this. Let me ask you, what year was that implemented? The Rooney Rule, and this is where it would be great if we had a producer, but um, let's see. Let's see when – I want to say this was like early 2000s, 2003. 2003. Okay, okay. So, others – I mean, in sports in general, we have a fairly large problem uh, with minority ownership, minority general managers, but the NBA really seems to be the one league where we don't have – problem with that. There's lots of minority coaches. There's lots of minor, there's uh, several minority GMs. And- no, I mean, there's still an issue because some of these minority coaches are not – I mean, yes, they're getting chances, but, you know, they're getting chances to do sometimes – you know, they're not given the, the ability that um, – okay, look, it's a really unfair uh, comparison, but, like, Alvin Gentry, right, he, he yeah. probably – won't be able to make roster changes like he wants to because his GM will will kind of block that. Okay. Whereas you have like uh, like a Rick Carlisle, um, different story because he's won a ring and the whole nine. He's been around the league for a long time. Blah blah blah. But Rick Carlisle will have a, a say in in and it, it could it it could be this year like the year that he went to Indiana. You know, um, and that's the sad part. There still is a, a, an invisible line in the NBA, but it's so blurred because there's been successful uh, minority coaches. There has been, there have been successful minority assistant coaches, um, you know, littered, you know, I'm talking like seventies yeah. onwards, you know, in the NBA. So, so in the NFL in this class action lawsuit, you know, he's basically saying, I, I think the Rooney rules a sham. I, I don't want this to, you know, this, it's not doing anything. And then he's also alleging that the Giants, because of text messages from Bill Belichick sent to the wrong number, that the Giants already had their guy hired before they were even able to interview Flores. No, no. So what they're saying is that Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores, and he kind of kind of blew the doors open on the whole thing. Cause well, right. He, yeah. But, but, it was his plan all along. He's going to take care of the NFC and the AFC. Yeah. <laughs> it's Belichick. And then he said that Elway was drunk, you know, and disheveled for his interview with the Broncos at times. And, I, you know, the thing is, the NFL is such a machine. I unfortunately don't see this going Flores' way, unless unless there's a lot of hard evidence, which and, – and the problem is Flores is, such a, is, is a great coach. He's a phenomenal coach. And you know what? The problem is he's not going to coach again in the NFL. He's just not. Let me ask you a question. Has Colin Kaepernick um, caught on to any team since his thing no, happened? Not at all. It's the same thing that's going to happen to Flores, unfortunately. Yeah. And Colin Kaepernick would have those, like, little shitty workouts with Brady. But, like, I'll be honest with you, you know, let's let's go back to – because he's been out of the league now maybe three years, I think, now. You know, um, let's go back two years, like, fresh off of the season ending. There were teams that should have taken him. Yeah, and the last time you played was 2016. Yeah, four years. About to be five five years, sorry. Take that back, yeah. And 
stats were in his very last season as a partial starter. He started 11 games in 2016. The the Niners were awful. That was, excuse me, under Chip Kelly. He completed 59.2% of his passes, which was close to his career average. He never, was never highly accurate. And then, but in 11 games, he completed 59% of his passes for 2,241 yards, 16 touchdowns, just four interceptions while rushing for 468 yards. He, he, deserved, he deserved a shot at the starting gate somewhere else. He did. He yeah. did. I, I, and, you know, was Colin, was Colin Kaepernick an all-world talent at quarterback? The answer is no. No. Was yeah, you're right. No. Was he better than at least 10 of the current starting quarterbacks in the league at the time he left? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, let me put it to you this way. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith, there are guys on teams that have started, you know, whether it's in relief effort or actually starting or start, like, you know, competing for the starting job. My God. Ridiculous. You look at the situation in Houston, man, right behind Watson. They have nobody. Yeah. They have nobody. Literally nobody. They Tyrod this year. And. You know, it is what it is, but I don't. I don't think it's going to change the landscape. I, and who knows? I hope to God that maybe it does. It does do something. But I, I'm looking at right now coaches that were hired. Right, Josh McDaniels was is now the new head coach of the Oakland of the sorry, of the Raiders, right? Las Vegas Raiders. In two seasons in Denver. And I get it, guys. That was a long time ago. That was Jay Cutler era. You know, that was a long, long time ago, dude. Yeah, but he went 11-17. and 17. He was 8-8 eight eight his first year. His second year, he's 3-9. and nine. They fire him before the season's even over, okay? Then, then Josh McDaniels, he took the Indianapolis Colts job. And then reneged. Only to cut bait yeah. almost immediately uh, and go back to New England. Brian Flores. Had two winning seasons, back-to-back winning seasons in Miami. Granted, they didn't make the playoffs yet, but they were they were right there. And this year, they got off to a bad start because they had to start. Coaching. They played, but their their team is full of nobodies. They, all the players on that team, you have a couple of stars, maybe. Besides that, you have a bunch of good players that play really hard for their coach. Yeah. You know, they play really. I noticed something about Flores, like the his time in Miami, the players. I mean, they're going to say that he's too bossy and he's too, um, you know, he's too involved in the process. Uh, uh, you know, he's too aggressive of a, of a head coach. But I think that's what makes him special, man. That's what makes his players – there are people that want to play hard for their coach. Like, I, I, I hate to make this comp, but, like, Rex Ryan, in my uh, opinion, was like one of those guys. You know, Rex, Rex Ryan – everyone wanted to play hard for Rex Ryan. Everyone did. You know, tail end of, tail end of his, his coaching career with the Jets, different story. You know, even when he went to the Bills, he had a he had a hot start, but then fizzled. Right? He didn't have the talent around him. But his players want, including and you know what? That there's a crazy stat. I wish we had a, a producer, but all of Rex Ryan's led defenses, either as a DC or a head coach, has been in the top ten in defenses for majority of his career. You know, outside of a couple of years. You know that he had flat out, you know, terrible years. But he's 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 historically been a very good defensive coach, and that's what Flores is. 
a very good defensive coach. His players play really hard for him, offense and defense both, because he manages the whole thing. I think he deserves another shot, but like you said, I don't think he's going to get another shot. I don't think he is, especially depending on how many skeletons this lawsuit opens up out of the closet for things, for especially for teams. Even if it doesn't, he's marked as a man that's trouble. Right? Well, yeah. You have to add an extra legal jargon into his contract whenever a team is taking him on, you know? A bunch of, like, really strong non-disclosure contracts and all kinds of other shit. They'll have to do that extra work to take him. What should the punishment be for teams like the Giants if they, they found they didn't stick the Rooney rule or for the Browns and the uh, Dolphins if it's found that they were paying that the loss of picks, bro. What makes, what makes the team, uh, you know, what, what fractures their, their progression? If you're not, if you're not doing the right thing uh, from a coaching perspective, this rule, whether it exists, you know, non-existently or existently, whatever, regardless of how it, it stands in the, in the NFL today, I still think that, you know, they should lose their, you know, uh, something of, of value. It can't be yeah. just a monetary – because these guys have money. They have old money. All these franchises, their ownership has money from a long time ago. They're sitting on a lot of money. They could take losses. Money's not going to hurt them. What's going to hurt them? No, 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 no. no. Not, it shouldn't be like a Clippers scenario where it turns out to be a full-on racial uh, uh, case where, you know, uh, you remember a couple of years ago, I forgot the name of the owner at the time with the Clippers – that's when they had uh, Blake, Cliff, Blake Griffin, uh, CP3, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, yeah. No. This is before Bomber bought him. Um, they had a really, a really, really racist owner. Sterling, there you go, Sterling, there you go. Yep, yep. So they forced Sterling to sell, you know. That's a different scenario. He had, he had years and years of, like, evidence against – of racial, you know, issues against him for years. You know, like, I'm talking, like, 20, 30-plus years, you know. So, but, but, but isn't isn't – Paying a coach to lose, in a sense. Apparently, uh, Jimmy Haslam did that for Hugh Jackson. So I mean, I know, I, but that's what I'm saying. If it comes out that there was actual evidence where they were paying the coaches to to lose games on purpose, and then holding these coaches accountable for their losing record, it, I mean, I feel like that's you're you're messing with competitive balance. I get it in the NBA. Totally, totally messing. You know, NBA, you could you could do the whole tank. You know, b- believe in the pro- trust the process scenario that Daryl Morey did, right? You can yeah. try that. You can you can you can kind of move with that. But you know, there's 82 games in the season, man. You know, there's ups and downs. Yeah. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. Uh, you know, um, free time. You have a lot more development on players. There's a different, whole different. It's a whole different scenario. The, the NFL scenario is not set up to tank. You know, there's too many, too less games to tank. Create a losing culture, which was. One of the fears that was what Maury was doing. But in baseball, you can do that, right? The, yeah. The difference was what Maury was doing, he wasn't telling the coach to lose games. He just wasn't giving him a roster that could win games. Yeah, he literally just didn't stock them with, with enough players to win a game. Right. He wasn't going out there saying, you know, do whatever you can to lose this game. You know, and I, I see the problem is even if the Sixers won 16 games, you know that year, right? It's okay. There's 82 of them, right? Volume of games matters in this scenario. It does. It does. So you it can't you can't tell a coach to go 0 and 16, um, and and go for the number one pick the next year. Uh, it's not going to do you any good. 
You know, you've just created a losing culture. That's all you've done. Exactly. And and when you create that losing culture, it's hard to right the ship. Yeah, uh, whereas in basketball, if you, you can, again, you can create a losing culture for the season to tank, then you can do all kinds of free agency, off-season moves, pay players, don't pay them, pay them a lot, bring a star on board. There's a lot of different things an NBA franchise can do after one losing season than an NFL franchise can. So um, let's talk real quick then about the current coaches who are hired. Um, let's start. So back. I think Josh is a really good pick for the Raiders. I like that pick a lot. I like that pick a lot. I mean, I like that move for, for the Raiders. Live on air here. Let's see who uh, has to redeem themselves on freezing cold takes later. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that Josh McDaniels will fail to win eight <laughs> during like, they, they they made it the playoffs with an interim coach this year. They have one more year of, they can hold on to Derek Carr for one more year. You don't think it's possible? I think it's possible. No, Josh McDaniels is is an arrogant coach. He's an arrogant guy. You don't think he's changed his ways though after learning and being around Bill Belichick for all these years? You don't think that he's changed? Or you think he's walking into to the Raiders saying, "Hey, I want to build a Bill Belichick type of of, of system here. Allow the arrogance, because that's what Bill Belichick did. He 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 proved it first, and then he was just like, now I'm going to be openly arrogant. Uh, you know, uh, whoever you know, you're, the owner, the GM, they can all come and lick my nuts because I'm winning Super Bowls here. So you got to just let let me do as I do. So I think Josh McDaniels is going to go in with that. Chip saying you have to give me full access, full ability to make decisions. I don't want the GM coming in and, and messing up anything. I don't want the owner in my ear. I'm sure that's all part of it. And I think that's what will make him possibly, you know, productive and, and a good, you know, successful as a coach. Here's the thing. Can you name me three head coaches off the Bill Belichick tree who have been wildly successful? None. None. No, I can't. I mean, Mike Vrabel is the closest I can say is as successful. But they've all been mostly on the defensive side of the ball, not on the offensive Correct. side of the ball. Correct. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Eric Mangini an offensive or defensive coach? He was a defensive. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mangini wasn't great. He was okay for two years, but he, he wasn't very good. Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, we know that. Bill O'Brien was solid in Houston. Uh, he started to struggle when they gave him the keys to the Ferrari instead of just letting him be the valet. Um, when they gave him ownership uh, and made him GM. They made him acting, G- acting GM. That's when he made all those blunders. Yeah, he made a lot. Trading for David Johnson, all that crap. He was solid as a head coach. He was not – but then Flores was Flores was on track. Flores uh, came from the Belichick tree. He was on track to be very good, and um, he didn't get, unfortunately, he didn't get a chance. But I, I, so what grade are you giving Josh McDaniels? What Would you give it would you, A, B, C, what? I would give it a solid B plus, man. Okay, I'm going with the C minus there. I, uh, you know, no, I, I, I think, I think that, and the reason why I give it that is because I believe that, the Raiders now are 
they're 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 in a very um, high position uh, place as an organization to say, hey, listen, even with everything that happened with John Gruden and everything that happened with Antonio Brown and everything else that happened this season, right? As an organization, they're able to withstand that. And I think the curve on grabbing an offensive-minded coach, um, it might work out in their favor. Who knows? They have a good defense. The Raiders actually have a decent defense. They're not bad. They could get better. They they could definitely get better. But they're not bad, bad. You know, they're not bottom of the barrel bad. But, uh, you know, on the offensive side, they struggled a lot this year. Where they had weapons and they could have used them in the right ways, they really didn't. All right. What do you think of Doug Peterson at Jacksonville? C minus. Wow. Okay, then. Well, I was – so – our show went on a little bit – well, when I say our show, because it was under our, our Twitter account, but it was me that went on the rampage. But I, back in November, tagged Jacksonville Jaguars on a, on a little rampage, and I said, you need to fire Urban Meyer. You need to hire Byron Leftwich as your head coach. He, he, you know, he's a local hero. He was drafted by the Jaguars. He's a young coach. Great X and O's understandings, calls the plays. Uh, Tom Brady listens to him. Um, Formal quarterback, so he knows how, like, how to kind of run the offense, right? So that's the biggest play that comes in. You have a young team. Get a young coach that can that grows with them. But no, Jacksonville, they they Byron Leftwich withdraws. He says he's like, no, I'm not going down there anymore. They they burn that bridge. And they hired Doug Peterson. But Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl ring. He's got a Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl ring with Frank Reich orchestrating that offense, though. You know, so a lot of lot of asterisks, man. For as a head coach, as a head coach. So look, so can I say something really? As a head coach, when you go from one spot to the other, all your intangibles, your 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 OC, your DC, everybody else that you have set up as a package there that made you successful they're no longer there, usually. If they've done really well for themselves, they're moving on to different positions. If not, the coaches often drag, like, like college at, at times, right, when you go from one team to the other, you'll, you'll pull some of your OC, your, your strength and conditioning coaches, or whatever the crap. You pull them to the, to the other, you know, organization. In the NFL, that'll happen seldomly, not as much. Maybe, yes, you know, on, on big occasions, probably, but you'll see that these OCs and DCs that work really well with that head coach will be successful somewhere else at some point. Um, You know what one thing all these coaches have in common? Uh, Doug Peterson, Josh McDaniels. Andy Reid. No. Um, Brian Dable, uh, Matt Eberflux, Nate Hackett. uh, You know what they all have in common? No. They're all white. I mean (laughs) – None of them. There's not a single minority hire here. None, there's not a single offensive, you know, offensive or defensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy once again getting past. He's been over. in the running for the last three years, by the way. Let's be honest. He should have had a job by now. He should have had a job by now, but no. Uh, none of these teams um, have the balls to to do it. And to me, every single one of these hires are a big bag of shit. It's all mess. It's all 
nah. like nothing moves the needle. Not even, I'm sorry, Brian Dable going from Buffalo offensive coordinator to head coach of the Giants, it doesn't move me. It doesn't move me. No, I, I, it doesn't move me either. And I'm telling you because, he, 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 look, he does well when he doesn't have the reins. In Cleveland, he was able to do some magic with Baker, you know. No, um, Cleveland for Baker Mayfield. He was in Cleveland in 2009-2010. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Take that. I thought he was there for ba- Baker. Okay, regardless, right? He was able to do some work for Josh Allen, right? Yeah. I yeah? Guess, but I, I still attribute most of Josh Allen to Sean McDermott. That's what I'm saying. He He has – now he has the reins as a head coach. I think he's going to fail. I think it's a D-plus hiring, in my opinion. I do, too. And, you know – He's, he's been offensive coordinator in Cleveland. It should have been it should have been Flores, man. I'm, I'll be honest with you. It should have been Flores. We should have Flores, or at least, or at least, New York Giants take take a look at somebody that I, I don't know has more of a track track record. Gable's been offensive coordinator in Buffalo since 2018. That they've had some success, right? He was offensive coordinator for a year in Kansas City. Offensive coordinator for a year in Miami. Offensive coordinator for two seasons in Cleveland. He's not, and he never got a head coaching job after those places. So what does that tell you? Is that he was in these places for one, two years, and he never like that means he wasn't doing a very good job till he landed in Buffalo with a really good head coach in Sean right. McDermott. He, right. he got kept around, but there was uh, like you said. Uh, um, Flores would have been, I think, great. I, I Ideal. Ideal. New York wanted an offensive guy to help. Mold. I see. You know what? They've gone offense the last two rounds on coaches, though. You know, their last coach where they saw some sort of, you know, I'm sorry. No. Yes, 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 yes. He was. He was spe- oh, uh, wide receivers coach, but yes, yes. All the offensive side. So what I'm saying is that they, since Coughlin, they haven't had a de- defensive-minded coach. That's what the Giants need. They need they need a creative OC, and they need a lock like a a, a really good DC, a, a re- really good head coach that's defi- defensive-minded. Yeah, yeah. None of these hires, man. I and I agree with that. The Giants. Hey, man. The Jets have a minority coach. Yeah. Call a minority or not, but Salah is a minority coach. So. Yeah. And Mike Mike Tomlin, him and Mike Tomlin. That's it. That's all. That's that's. I it. can't believe that's it. No, I really can't believe that's it, though. You know, that's crazy. Right, so I, yeah, I don't know, man. None of these kids. But maybe that's why Denver has been mired in mediocrity for the longest time, because they hire Adam Gates as their, you know, no, I don't think. I'm sorry, Adam Gates was only offensive coordinator there, but they hire. John Fox, who was at the end of his rope at that time, and then they Vic go, Fangio didn't Vic Fangio have it for a year? Vic or so? Fangio was there. He was kind of mad. Then you know now they got Nathaniel Hackett there, who is a big bull of you know who cares? Uh, Matt Eberflus going to Chicago, like who gives a that's shit? Ret- that's absolutely that's I can't I, again I can't believe that yeah. Chicago needs a Flores needs. Eric B needs, you know, you know, I, I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. These these teams, as they as they're working their angles and trying to set up, trying to set up their, themselves 
they're doing such a shit job in hiring these these you know Frank Reich was a great hire for the Colts. Frank no, Reich that's a different story. Zach Taylor for Cincinnati has, has been looking good. You know, then you look at some of these other other play other coaches um, that you know. But then, you know, I look I go back to Dallas. Dallas hires Mike McCarthy. Really, Mike McCarthy? Yeah, he won in Green Bay just because he had Aaron. Come on, he had Aaron Rodgers. That was the only reason why he won. Let's be serious. He won serious, you know? Mike McCarthy. Um, all right. So. You know, so you have you have a bunch of these coaches, right, that, that should have jobs as head as head coaches, but they don't, you know. Even in, the Anthony Lynn experiment in San Diego, that was short-lived. Granted, he wasn't successful, but he had zero reigns, you know, on, on – Successful. That's, that's my question. Anthony Lynn was only there, I want to say – Two years. Three oh, sorry, three seasons. Okay, yeah. He was, um, yeah. I'm sorry. He was there for four whole seasons, and he had he had a 12 and four season, a nine and seven season. After the 12 and four season, though, they went five and eleven and seven and nine. So he had four seasons, two losing seasons back to back after 12 and four team after 12 and four season. So, okay, that one, I'm not. But, come on, man. You have some success, and then you have some bad years, but you're not willing to move forward look the, the 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 direction that they went in obviously benefited them because they're still doing okay i guess you know they have rising talent but still not making the playoffs. huh so they're still not making the playoffs correct exactly that's what i'm saying how much better are you doing without Andy lynn is my question yeah well we all saw what happened to detroit after they fired jim caldwell so yeah, that that was absolutely ridiculous. I couldn't believe that. All right, we got to move on now. We got 30 minutes uh, that we've killed uh, with that. Uh, we're going to go on to our second segment here. Uh, uh, Major League Baseball – I'm sorry, not Major League Baseball. ESPN released their top 100 Major League Baseball players of all time. Um, I don't know – Who's missing? What's that? Who's missing? Let me ask you that. I, it's not so much to me about who's missing because there's not really a lot of guys that I'm like, oh, that's a travesty that they're not on there. It's more of, hey, this person is a lot lower or a lot higher than they should be. Okay, so positioning of the hundred players. Yeah, because okay. like if you talk about some of the guys that are that that were taken off, they don't have Mookie, Mookie Betts in the top 100. I'm I'm okay with that, honestly. Like he's Betts is great, but you know. And they don't have Andrew Jones on there, which I'm also okay with. No, that's that's not, that's bullshit. Andrew Jones needs to belong on that list, man. What do you mean? No, no, man. Not comparatively, not when you only have a hundred players. Andrew Jones is not one of the top one hundred baseball players of all time. Are you kidding me? No, I'm sorry. I thought you were going by arrows or something like that. No, no, top one hundred of all time, all time. That so that means Babe Ruth is on this list. Christy Matthewson. Honus Wagner, Ty, Ty, Ty Cobb, as well as guys like Mike Trout and so, and so on and so forth. So let me tell you where I have some of the biggest gripes. Let me ask you one question real quick. Where is Ken Griffey Jr. on the list? Ken Griffey Jr. is number 13 okay. on this list. And I'm okay with that because just because his career post-Seattle was filled with injuries and he was never really the same player. 
as he was in Seattle from, you know, 1990 to 1998. Um, I have a big problem with them having number one baseball player of all time, Babe Ruth. And people are going to be like, well, why do you have a problem with that? Babe Ruth, he's an all-time great. He had the home run record. He had this, that. He was a pitcher. He could do everything. Yeah, he had 714 home runs. He has a lifetime career average of 342, a lifetime war of 162. He played in an era where they did not have black players, and they didn't have Hispanic players he had to go up against. Babe Ruth, more home runs by himself than a lot of Major League Baseball teams hit as a team during that time. Yeah, that's, I mean, see, that, that's your age-old qualm with everyone that goes to compare stats. Like, um, Bill Russell's 11 rings don't really count because there was a point where he won uh, a ring when there were, like, 18 teams in the league or some shit like that. Oh, no, there was a time where he won eight, eight, or sorry, seven of his 11 rings where he only had to win one series before getting to the finals. Huh. Okay, there you go. So you have a lot, a lot less competition. Yeah, where that's across the board, you know, in every sport, right? So I agree with you, absolutely. Babe should not belong on the number one list, 100%. You've got to go, in my opinion, you have to go post-merger of, like, major leagues of all sorts. Like, you know, how the NFL had, like, uh, the AFL and, you know, yeah. the NBA had the ABA post-merger of, like, all talent that, that's accrued. And if it happens to be, like, a racial thing at a racial moment where they start now making everything segregated, then so be it. It tends to be the scenario. But you're then at, you're, you're looking, your talent pool is now spread out where you have covered the best players of all these other leagues that are now combined into one. To me, you know who I'm putting as, like, number one baseball player of all time, and he's Right number two, but I I I bump him up over I bump him up over uh, what we call it uh, over Babe Ruth, Willie Mays. Yeah, I could see that. I could totally see that. I could see why. You know, listen to this. He not only hit three thousand two hundred eighty-three hits, he also had six hundred sixty home runs. But what's even more remarkable, two-time MVP, twenty-four-time All-Star, twenty-four. 24 all-star appearances, and he was a 12-time. So that means if he started in his 20s, he would have been well into his 40s. Yeah, he made his professional debut in 1948 for the Birmingham Black Barons, which was part of the Negro Leagues. He made his Major League Baseball debut in 1951 for the New York Giants. He was born in 1931, so he was 20 years old, he was 20 years old. Yeah, that means he played till 44 at an all-star level. That's yeah. insane. Insane. And he had 12 gold gloves. So out of those 12, out of those uh, all those years, he had 12 of those years, he was the best player in his position. Yeah. And we're talking about an era with Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio. Roger, Roger Maris, right? Hank Aaron, Roger Maris. They all played in the in the fifties and sixties. It's not like it's not like Willie Mays had no competition in the outfield. 
so I, I, I got to give the nod to Willie Mays. Um, that's uh, that to me. He, he's deserving of number one. Um, another guy I want to say to you that I think shouldn't even be on this list, uh, but I unfortunately can't think of someone better to replace him. Maybe maybe Andrew Jones. I, I don't know. I, I know I gave you hell for Andrew Jones being on this list, but Bryce Harper is number 94 on this list. Why, why now? Why now, though? My question is, he still hasn't had one of those you know, fully illustrious careers. He's still young, you know. He came into the league young. He's yeah. played, you know, for, for 10, I, I believe now, what, eight, nine seasons, 10 seasons, yeah? He's he's played uh, nine seasons. Yeah, yeah, so he's played nine seasons. I don't think he belongs on that list. Absolutely I, not. They're, they're looking into the future because Mike Trout's on this list too, which I don't have a problem with, but – um, I think Trout is a little bit more accomplished than Harper is in my opinion. I agree. I mean, Harper is a two-time MVP, which I didn't realize he was a two-time MVP winner. But, man, I feel like I just so much. And he he's, he's, you know, I, I was, we had this conversation not too long ago about how much he whiffs at the ball. Now with analytics into play where coaches are telling you to go for the fences, He's whiffing at a higher rate than he was before. Yeah. Uh, and then here's the last thing before we kind of have to move on. But there was a lot on this list I disagreed with. But uh, the last one I'll say that really disappointed me with how low this person was, was Ivan Rodriguez at number 90. That's way too low. He's like top five in his position for for, for the entire all-time. Yes, yeah, yeah. Pudge, just, he's got to be in, like, the 70s or 60s at least, right? Adam, at least in the 60s. I mean, this man was a 14-time All-Star. He won a World Series championship. Uh, he was a one-time MVP. He won 13 gold gloves. And he hit almost 3,000 hits and 311 home runs. But, like, his position, like, where he batted in the order, I remember when Pudge, you know, played, like, he was – purely there to back up that offense, right? So, you know, that offense had already already had the star power and, and the, the firepower that it needed. Pud, whatever Pudge did, it was the, the extra intangibles that made it work. I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. He de- deserves to be higher up in that list, for sure. And then, uh, let me see, there was one last one, I'll tell you, that I thought this person um, – was a little bit too low, in my opinion. Um, oh, here we go. Sandy Koufax, number 32. Uh, so, like, I, 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 sorry to interrupt you. You know, I would say about 50 to 60% of pitchers, when they look, when they look at their, their top, top, top of the goal, he belongs somewhere in the top three, top five, right, in the in his position yeah. as a pitcher, right? If you aspire to be him, you're looking to be greatness. I think the problem with Koufax is he had such a short career. He only played for 11 seasons. But in those 11 seasons, in those 11 seasons, he was a seven-time All-Star, four-time World Series champion, MVP, three-time Cy Young Award winner. 
that's that, that means in his career he's winning like you know <laughs> that's crazy that's absolutely nuts in, in 11 seasons in he 11, won the Cy Young three times in 11 seasons yeah and he Jeez. won he won 100, he won 100. did he win back to back Cy Youngs by any chance uh, let me see the years on the Cy Youngs. Uh, 63, 65, 66. So, yes. Yeah, oh, yes. That's, see, back-to-back Cy Youngs are really hard, in it my is. opinion. It is. And then this man, in 11 seasons, won 165 games, had a career ERA of 2.76, Oof. and 137 complete games. Uh, so, out of his 165 wins, you had 137 complete games, 40 shutouts. So he, uh, again, he also played in the era where the pitcher was expected to pitch past seven innings, right? Yeah. Six innings, yeah. five and a half. You know. Yeah. Pitcher is expected to go eight, nine, maybe even. You know, if you have to, because there's no one there. You turn around yeah. and look at the bullpen. There's absolutely nobody there. The catcher's warming up. The backup catcher's right. warming up. So yeah, he, he, you know, he did what he. Yeah, I I think he should be higher than thirty-two men. Yeah. I think just, I mean, I know that he didn't have a long career, but in that time he was there, he was dominant. Imagine playing. And they won, right? He won four rings, right? Yeah, four championships. And of those four championships, he was a three, a two-time World Series MVP. Oh, so he basically won them two, two, two World Series, two out of the four. 50% yeah. of the World Series was won based on him alone. All right, man. So uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but it's our Friday staple. What do you got for the Chronic Corner today? Are we gonna are we hitting up uh, a little Cypress Hill now? You got a little something for the Chronic Corner? You know what? We're going to do a pause on the Chronic Corner and move it to next Friday because I got something big planned. I think I got uh, a couple of uh, sponsors for our show. So I think I could, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to have two – uh, large uh, uh, cannabis, uh, you know, companies out here in Michigan. One of them um, owned by Al Harrington, uh, of the you know ex NBA player. I'm I'm working some angles, you know, you know me. I'm almost working those angles, so I'm trying to to, to make that happen and and see if we can get some sponsorship. But uh, it just allows us to beef up our, our our next Friday show with you know a little bit more. It doesn't mean that you can't play a quick little clip of Cypress Hill, man. It's Friday night. You could go ahead and play a 10, 15-second clip of some hits from the bong, man. All right, well, I'll go ahead and hit it up. Oh, um, all right. All right. So, as we finish up here, our last segment, uh, we saw something that, that kind of shocked me, man. They had They had these Pro Bowl skills challenges. I saw I saw some of it too. I I knew you know what I I know a lot of uh, compulsive gamblers. You know, yeah. being from New Jersey, uh, I know a lot a lot of a lot of gamblers that bet on some of these skill challenges. That's ridiculous in my opinion. But um, yeah, uh, go ahead, start with some analysis because I'd love to hear what you say. Person, the linebacker, beat Tyree Kill in the forty-yard dash. I mean, Tyreek Hill wasn't really running. If you bought, he was wearing his his uh, his warm up gear still. He did, he wasn't even ready to run. He was smiling at the so, at the ten yard line. Yeah. I mean, still. I mean, regardless, a linebacker who's two hundred and fifty pounds still beat 
Tyreek Hill. I don't think that's news at all. Like I said, if you go back and and, and look at it, uh, Micah ran a four three uh, forty, and Tyreek Hill ran a four two nine. Tyreek Hill wasn't didn't he wasn't if you looked at him he had his warm up jacket on he had his hoodie he had a hoodie on he he stopped running like he was trotting actually until towards the end he was literally trotting on purpose and he was smiling and as soon as he got off if you watched the if you watched it Micah ran over to him and he was kind of like hobbling like an old man like oh you know i just i just ran you know i'm, I'm a little tired now give me a second you know he was doing one of those he, i granted he played hard all season he fought through injuries he played more recently than any of these players did actually to be honest with you, right? His team made the furthest. Yeah. Um, I didn't really watch much else from the skills thing. I, honestly, the Pro Bowl to me is the worst of the All-Star games. It's the worst of the All-Star games. Um, it belongs, like, on the lowest of the lowest list. It literally only gets views because people are are dying for some football at this point. You know? Yeah. Season's done. You're literally gasping for breath, and you're you're looking for some sort of life in any sort of football, and the Pro Bowl really isn't it. It's like methadone for for football fans. It literally gives you just enough to keep going. I mean, you know, obviously I think NBA NBA All-Star Weekend takes the cake as the best. It does. It does. You know, and the stars make it fun. That's the the whole reason why the All-Star game itself is super fun. Three-point contest, fun, you know. Dunk contest has gotten worse over the years. They got a bunch of no namers. This yeah. year they got Ob Toppin and 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 uh, somebody else. But I don't know. I don't know even know who they got. But like I'm, I want to see. I I've been wanting to see Russell Westbrook in a in a slam dunk competition since he's been at OKC. And Russell Westbrook's response is, uh, you know, I only dunk in games. <laughs> yeah, I know we wanted. James in a dunk. Never, never. We've never. We've seen Michael Jordan in back-to-back dunk. We've seen Kobe Bryant win a dunk competition. We have yeah. yet. We've never seen. And it's too late. LeBron should not enter the dunk competition now. No. There's no. There's no way in hell he should. And, and 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 if if there's an agent that tells him, Rich Paul, if you listen to this, definitely don't do that. You're way out of your pay scale to do that. LeBron will get the worst publicity in his life if he if he tries out for the dunk competition now. Here's the thing. The other reason why I think that the NFL can't really compete with these other all-star games is, A, they do it before the Super Bowl. It's not like a mid-season thing like the NBA all-star is, like the Major League Baseball all-star game is. I, I love Major League Baseball. The Major League Baseball I love it. Pretty fantastic. Yep. But Home run derby, cap off on the you know, and the all-star game, put that together. That's a great – I think it's a great weekend, you know, of sports. But the reason why the NFL can't compete is not all their star players play in this Pro Bowl, especially if you got guys going to the Super Bowl. They're not going to play in the Pro Bowl. Second thing is, it's still football at the end of the day. I know guys aren't trying to hit super hard, and it's not really like – it's more like a glorified practice. But you can still get hurt. And Yeah, I, like, and it's, a lot, it's worth a lot more to get hurt in an NFL All-Star game than it is in MLB or it is in, you know, um, NBA. And what are the odds that um, – what are the odds, too, that you're going to get hot, hurt in an all, NBA All-Star game or a major – Oh, none, game? none, none, yeah. zero. 
No one's playing defense. It's you know it, that's the way I like. I, so the reason why I love the NBA All Star Game is because whenever you catch me at LA Fitness, I'm gonna play like it's NBA All Star Game. No one's playing defense. Everyone's getting their shots up. You know, it's just trying to you know go out there, have fun, stay loose. You know, oh, put on the show. And put on the show, right? Exactly. All of a sudden, you have guys like me that are that are nailing like two, three, four, three pointers in a row because no one's playing defense. You know, that's what's going to happen. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, and this is a big reason why I don't take the, my sons to NFL football games, but um. There was an altercation after the Rams 49ers games. Now, I don't know the details. All I know is that this 49ers fan was put in a coma after getting into a fight in the parking lot, in one of the parking lots outside SoFi Stadium. They have- so, so, hold on. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and go ahead and, and block you on that real quick and tell you something. You, you probably don't have anything to worry about because you have something called dad in- instinct. You know, and, and, you know, if the game's over or you're feeling a certain way, you just grab the kids and you're out, you know. And it's just not it's not going to be you alone, you know. There's a good chance, you know, I might be there with my kids as well. But regardless, you know, uh, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, those kind of scenarios happen with, you know, single guys, you know. Um, or you get into a place like, like San Francisco, the Bay Area, bro. They're just rough out there, you know. Um, the I got – I, I'm going to go on air and, and tell you a quick little story. I almost got banned from MetLife Stadium for life. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and my boys, we used to go to home openers every year um, from, like, 2006 to 2011, you know, 12. We went to every home, home opener. Um, and we were at a home opener. And there was a guy that was a Bills fan, and um, we were playing the Giants that year, I think. Yeah, we were playing the Giants. It wasn't over open. I take that back. This was a, like week four or something like that. Whatever. We were playing the Giants, and there was a Bills fan there that was rooting on the Giants. And then the uh, Jets won, obviously, right? And <clears throat> we were talking – all my boys were talking shit. So this guy uh, pushed one of my friends down like five flights, flights of like – I'm talking like upper, de- upper, upper deck, bro. Okay. And mind you, these are still $150 tickets, but we're talking nosebleeds, right? Yeah. Very steep stairs, very steep steps. He slides five rows. My friend's going up the stairs. He grabs him as he slides down. I see the guy who pushed him down the stairs, and I start – my glasses flew off, and I started swinging, and, and I took him down, and I literally knocked him senseless. Cops came. Security came. Everyone pointed us out. They're like, it was these dudes right there that blah, 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 blah. So we go down. <clears throat> And the idiot that, that started the fight, right, ended up hitting a cop. Wow. wow. So he got, he got mollywhopped, <laughs> you know, right in front of us, it, it, right, right before we were get, being pulled into to a holding place to be questioned. Um, and the cop comes running over. We're not handcuffed, nothing. We're just standing there with security in front of us. And, and this guy hits the cop. And the cops are all on top of him, literally just going nuts, right? Um, and they cuff him. They take him away. Cop comes comes back to us. We're like, hey, listen, he started it. He, you can go back to the video. He pushed my friend down five flights of stairs. Cop's like, it's okay. You guys are good to go. He had a cop. Get the hell out of here. And so we hopped, got everything bounced, left. But what I'm trying to tell you is that things like that happen when you're single, man. You know, your, your dad instincts, 
will kick in so early that you won't even buy tickets in the nosebleed. You know, you'll pay the extra two hundred dollars to have your kids sit in a safe area. You know. I mean, but it's, it's but the whole thing is it's not it's not just the fighting thing. It's it's the drunken, disorderly people who will. Yeah, you know, that is absolutely nuts. Especially with the pandemic, people have gone absolutely insane at sporting events. They're gonna they're gonna say shit. You know, I this reminds me of Brian Stowe. Do you remember Brian Stowe, the Giants fan who got attacked outside Dodger Stadium, and he was yep, yep. ten years ago. Once again, L.A., San Francisco. It's you know you. I I don't know. I I just it's an environment that. I would want them to be much older in before I take them because you got people cussing, you got loudmouth people. You got no, I have to agree. I have to agree with you on that. But what I'm saying is that <clears throat> there are certain scenarios, right? Like I said again, you know, um, you can buy maybe better tickets. And if it's a blowout, me and you have left, at, you know, you know, at Michigan Nebraska blowout, right? We did. We left. We left early <clears throat> before things got really crazy. At the end, you know, before people started really harping on Nebraska fans, right? We were out of there, right? That was just common sense because we're older, right? We're a little bit older, a little bit more. And that's something that you'll probably also do. I definitely agree with you, though. We should, you should definitely wait till the kids are a little bit older to take them to something like this. But I still think that your parenting and your, like, dad instincts will kick in way earlier than anything before anything happens. Daniel Luna, who is in the medical-induced coma, apparently what happened is uh, Luna was in a group of people uh, in the parking lot, uh, all wearing 49ers jersey. This guy walked by wearing a Rams jersey, and Luna apparently pushed him. Uh, and then the guy pushed Luna back. Um, and then when Luna turned around, the, the suspect punched him in the mouth causing him to fall to the ground and then he hit the back of his head on the concrete and he fell to the ground. So but can I tell you something? Yeah. The people that Luna was there with, right? Should have pulled him the moment something you know, he said something. He yeah. shouldn't have been there saying anything at all. And he shouldn't have been there pushing people. And then I see what happened. People talk shit, then they get knocked out cold. And, yeah, when you get knocked out unconscious, you can hit your head on, on the concrete. It, it can happen because you're getting cold cocked. But, yeah. you know, I, I feel like what, what's the old rap line? Don't start no shit, won't be no shit. Like right, right. Correct. How it goes, right? As you saw, remember the famous Sons and Four guy? Starting shit with him. For no reason. For no reason. And he deserved what he got. Honestly, he deserved what he got. 100% deserved what he got. Yeah. No, but, like, so these, these, these you know, uh, you know, uh, sporting events, you know, they turned wild. Like, you know, you never – I don't think there's a right age for me to take my kid to a UFC event, to be honest with you. Because imagine those parking lots. Everyone wants to fight. As soon as they see, they've been watching fighting for the last 60 minutes. As yeah. soon as they get out, yeah, motherfucker, I'm drunk and I'm going to go beat your ass. Right? Yeah. So, it's uh, you know, those I, I don't think there's the right age to take my kid to something like that. But, like I said, I trust your parenting, you know, your dad instincts, your Spidey, Spider-Man instincts. I, I trust that more than, you know, uh, being at the wrong place at the wrong time. These people... You hear reports about they kind of either they've been instigated upon yeah. or they are the instigated, right? Yeah. So 
Even if someone is instigating with you, walk the fuck away. You're 40 years old, bro. Yeah. Walk away. I don't care if the Rams fans saying suck my dick as a as you're walking away. Cool, bro. Have a good one. Catch you next season. It's a fucking game, man. Yeah. Exactly. And you and hold on, you're 40 years old, right? You should yeah. just say, all right, cool. I'll catch you next season, guys. Peace. Walk away. All right. Last thing is we got three minutes left, and this is one thing I wanted to touch on today. Um. Ben Simmons, man, the Sixers, I think, are making a colossal mistake not moving him. I really – I was hoping you were going to talk about this because I read the report, and uh, Kyrie Irving is the is the reason why James Harden wants to get the hell out of there. Yeah. So James Harden has given the Nets the green light to go ahead and negotiate to get him the hell out of there. He's tired of that. And you know what? what, what the what the Nets should do? The Nets should flip Irving for for Simmons instead. But I don't think the Sixers want Kyrie. They don't want. They don't want it. But you know what? They should try. They should try. And the reason why is because Irving's the reason for all this commotion, right? All this, all these issues. Now all of a sudden you have a starting point guard who's vaccinated, who can play in the state of New York, like play for home games, right? He could do whatever. And he's defensive too, super defensive. He doesn't need to create. He's got two. He's got two scoring, uh, you know, machines next to him. He could facilitate all day. He'll rack up 14, 16, 18 assists a day. I'm telling you though, the what we've seen from Ben Simmons is done. He's. I I I, I, I hope I you're not. He's unsalvageable. No, you know, I hope you're not true for one reason only, because it's very hard to find uh, such a skilled passer at the point guard position. That is his frame and his size. Outside of LeBron, I don't think anyone in my mind is that skilled of a passer at, at, at his size, at his you know, length and everything else. And I hope that you're wrong because um, the Nets could really use the defense, dude. They have all the offense in the world. They could use that defense, you know, along with facilitation, you know. Biggest thing. You facilitate. I just I... – to me, Ben Simmons. I'll take I'll take Simmons and Curry for Irving right now. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think the Sixers want to. They Sixers are really reluctant to to add Curry or Maxi to any any deals. And yeah, that's because they're they're great pieces. Ben Simmons to me is not the guy. He was at LSU. Granted, he only played one season at LSU, but he 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 was the jewel of a loaded recruiting class. And LSU failed to make the playoffs. Or, I'm sorry, not the playoffs, the tournament, the NCAA tournament. In fact, they lost a game to Texas A&M in the SEC tournament, 71 to 38. And, you know, you see these guys that are really good that, yeah, they might not win national titles, but they're at least taking their team to the tournament. Kevin Durant took Texas to the tournament. Joel Embiid had Kansas. I mean, I I, I don't know. Ben Simmons, he's not the guy. And I think his head. I I would not get rid of Harden for Simmons, but I would totally get rid of Irving for Simmons in a heartbeat. Because you automatically have a player that can play versus a player that can only play half the games. And even if you make it 
to the playoffs. You'll make it to the playoffs. Even if you make it deep into the playoffs, you can only play half the games, my friend. Yeah. So good luck. Hope for a game seven every fucking every series moving forward. Hope for a game seven because that, you know, hopefully that game seven is not at home. You're right. screwed. All right, folks, that's all the time we have. It's been a great Friday. Uh, we will be back at it Monday next. Hey, real quick, I'm gonna we're gonna run the show another two minutes. What's what? How has our stats been lately? That's a good question. Um, we'll run it a couple of extra minutes. No, no problem. The fans can I, understand. Yeah, I looked at it earlier, and I'd seen that our last show had our last show that we did on Monday had seven live listeners. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, we had thirty-two downloads, and on Amazon, it looks like that show hit five hundred downloads. Awesome. Uh, so down a little bit from where we were, but that's okay. Uh, our, our top listeners by country is obviously the United States number one, but uh, Japan was six point six percent of the uh, hey and Canada four percent. Awesome, uh, awesome. Uh, much love out to our Japanese and Canadian listeners. Um, but yeah. Doing better. Uh, we are looking to grow uh, more and more. But uh, we'll be back Monday. Super Bowl week starting Monday. We'll have a ton of Super Bowl coverage. Uh, we'll have a lot more. I'm sure there will be a lot more stories breaking that we'll, we'll discuss along some other things, So, uh, including uh, best Super Bowl food. So we'll get into that. All, all right. That. I like okay. that. All right. Uh, all right. It's going to take us out. Have Enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Thanks, Thanks for guys.